so here we are, a little bit of, 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 of a recap of what happened last week on Esther. Uh, last week on Esther, uh, we heard that Queen Vashti was dismissed and there was a sort of beauty pageant across all of Xerxes' kingdom of Persia. And out of all of the women in Persia, Xerxes chose this Jewish woman. He didn't know that she was Jewish. This Jewish woman named Esther made her his queen. So that's what we learned last week. This woman who was called out of nowhere to the highest place in the kingdom. And so this week, the story picks up with this character, Haman. Haman, who gets elevated in status, snubbed by Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle, gets angry, furious, enraged, beyond proportion. Mordecai gets so mad that he doesn't even want to take it out, or Haman gets so mad that he doesn't want to take it out on on Mordecai. He wants to take it out on everybody associated with Mordecai. Everyone who looks like him, everybody related to him. So he plots a plan with the king to destroy all of the Jewish people in Persia. Mordecai weeps over this, mourns, and sends word to his niece, Esther, and says, come and help. And Esther says, I can't go to the king. It's too risky. I might lose my life. I'm convinced the more I read scripture, the more I discover about what it has to say about our world today. So we begin, and, and now we often, when we read scripture, we like to read scripture for the heroes, right? For the Abrahams and the Isaacs, for the Mordecais and the Esthers, and say, how are we supposed to be like Mordecai and Esther and Abraham and, and Peter? But I wonder if before we get to that, we ought to look a little bit more carefully at Haman. We jump right past the the... the the bad guys in the stories, right? We, we write them off and we're quick to say that thank God, thank God I'm not like them. Haman, who gets so mad at one person that he decides to set off to destroy a whole class of people that he does not know. Good Lord, that doesn't sound like today. Huh? Right? People who are angry not at a person, not at someone that they know, but at a whole class of people that they've never met for the most part. It's easy to say, thank God I'm not like that. It's easy to say that I would never do that, but come on, we do it all the time. All of us. It's like hardwired into human nature to write off people that we don't know, people that are different than us, people that we disagree with us. It's like the natural wiring of our brains and our hearts. 
Jesus mocked as he watched the temple prayers of the Pharisee who said, thank God I'm not like that sinner over there. Because that's not who we're called to be. We're called to recognize that the road toward wishing destruction on others is easy to fall into. And we're all capable of it. We're called to see first and foremost the ways that we start down that road of being like Haman. Have you ever gotten mad? Have you ever gotten mad? Like really mad? Like face turned red mad? Irrational mad? Offended, deeply offended to your core? That's where Haman was. I love scripture because it speaks deeply to the human experience and we've all experienced that sort of anger before. We've all experienced that sort of rage before. And in that sort of rage, we do things that we wouldn't normally do. We say things that we wouldn't normally say. When we get that angry in our relationships, talking to one another, we say things that we can't take back and might destroy the relationships we have with the people we love best, if we're not careful. We might say things about whole classes of people that we've never met because one person made us mad. One person that we never met. I mean, doesn't that sound like what's happening in the world right now? Again and again? All over the place? The world is full of Haman's. You and I are guilty of being like Haman, getting enraged. Why I love this story is it talks about where that leads to. That sort of rage that can't look at another person and see them as a person, see them as a beloved child of God, leads to this willingness to to, to, to write off a whole class of people. A genocide. That's what the book of Esther is about. As we come to this climax of the story, the story is about an attempted genocide against the Jewish people. Thank God something like that could never happen in modern times. But it does. It happens, and, and, and I think Haman calls us to look at ourselves and repent. Repent of the times that we have let ourselves lead with anger. Repent of the times that we have written off people as less than God's beloved children. Repent of the times that we have refused to listen to the cries of those in need. But then the story gets even better. Because Mordecai is heartbroken by this, right? He goes out and he sits in the middle of town, weeping, dressed in these, these, these mourning clothes and covered in ashes, 
Think of like Ash Wednesday, but instead of like a little mark on your forehead, just kind of dumped over your head. That was Mordecai, sitting in the middle of town. And Esther comes along, the hero of the story. Esther comes along, and what does she do? She says, Mordecai, you should smile more. She said, Mordecai, look on the bright side. She hears about what Mordecai's doing, and, and, and instead of participating in his grief, sharing in his grief, which is really all of her people's grief, she sends him some nice clothes and says, get out of those ashes and those dark clothes and quit mourning. Go live your life. It's not that big a deal. That's not such an idea, right? Get over it already. Why are you so mad? Why are you so upset? It's not that big a deal. Right? Like, I, mean, I don't know about you. I'm hearing these things from people. People ask why I keep bringing up current politics and current things happening in our nation because it's what I'm reading in Scripture. I don't know about you, but I'm reading in Scripture from Esther things like, you know, slavery was a long time ago. Why are you still upset about it now? You know, one bad actor doesn't mean that you should be as upset as you are now. What Mordecai says in response changes everything. Mordecai says, don't think that this won't affect you. Don't think that this doesn't already affect you. Maybe, just maybe, it's for just such a time as this that you have been placed where you have been placed. Now this is the key question. Where we stop today leaves us with the question, Will Esther weep with those who weep? Will Esther stand up and raise her voice and do something about those who are suffering? Will Esther stand up and do something about those who are in pain? And I get it. She immediately says, but I could die. There's a risk for Esther to say something. Xerxes is a desperate, a, 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 an absolute king. And so she wa even walks into his presence without being asked to come in. He could kill her. I get that too. I mean, okay, no one's threatened to kill me. But there are times where I don't do anything because I'm afraid of the risk. Times when I don't do anything because I'm afraid of what it might cost me. Boy, if we aren't in that moment now again. I always love the quote by Martin Niemöller. Martin Niemöller was a Lutheran pastor in Germany in the 30s. He got arrested and, and he was in uh, prison in Dachau at the concentration camp in Dachau with uh, a number of other, both Jews and also the uh, uh, political opponents of the Nazi party. He said that famous thing, first they came for the socialists, and I said nothing because I was a socialist. And then they came for the labor organizers, and I said nothing because I was not a labor organizer. And then they came
came for the Jews, and I said nothing because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was nobody left to speak. He wrote that from Dachau. Like many of us, before it got to a certain point, Niemöller was afraid to say anything. Afraid what it might cost him. You know, I might lose friends if I say the wrong thing. Heck, in my position, people might decide not to come back to church if I say the wrong thing. Or stop their giving if I say the wrong thing. You might lose a job if you say the wrong thing. Family might get mad at you if you say the wrong thing. But who knows, says Mordecai. Perhaps you have been placed where you are at this moment, in June of 2020, in a moment of civil unrest in our country, the moment of political unrest in our country. Perhaps you have been placed exactly where you are for just such a time as this, says Mordecai. Now there's more to the story of Esther, but I kind of like stopping there and sitting with that question at the end of chapter 4 of the book of Esther. Why, out of all the people in all the world, why, out of all the times in all of history, has God placed you exactly in this moment? What has God called you to do and to say exactly in this moment? Who has God called you to speak up for and to speak on behalf of exactly in this moment? How has God called you to cry out in grief, to cry out for justice, to cry out for those who cannot speak for themselves. God put you right here, today, now, in the midst of, you know, all this, for a reason. The question for each of us this week is why? We'll come back next week and we'll hear some about what Esther responds to Mordecai's question. About what Esther does to pick up and do the next thing. But I invite you to sit with that question for yourself this week. This is your moment. Why are you at a moment just like this?